This is Shine On, the health and happiness show, with new episodes every week on how to live well. Shine On is heard all over the world as a podcast, but it's heard first on the radio in New York's Hudson Valley. Hi, it's Casey. How are you? Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On. Do you remember the movie, What the Bleep Do We Know? Did you ever hear of it? Can you believe it is 20 years old this week? Marley Matlin starred in the film that sort of followed a woman's life around and gave us a peek into the molecular and quantum worlds that exist unseen around the star of the film. What I remember most about What the Bleep Do We Know is all the negative press it received. So before I even got to see the film, I was very skeptical. And I remember watching it and thinking, I'd really love to believe all of this. But I've already read in so many newspapers and magazines that this is new age nonsense. 20 years later, let's go back and revisit it. The film, What the Bleep Do We Know? Created by Mark Vicente, Will Arntz, and Betsy Chassie. My name is Betsy Chassie. I'm a filmmaker and an author and a mom and a human having a spiritual experience on this crazy planet. I think um, most of the time I'm most known for a film that's having its 20th anniversary right now called What the Bleep Do We Know, which is credited with probably one of the biggest transformational films of uh, the new millennium. Agreed. Agreed. It was a big transformational film. What was your part in it? Oh, I was the co-writer, co-director, co-producer, creator, co-creator. There were three filmmakers, myself, William Arts, and Mark Vicente. What made you want to make this film in the first place? You know, it's so funny. I had no idea that I was going to make this movie at all. I was living in L.A., happily bopping around in my little BMW, you know, driving cute cars and wearing nice shoes. And I got asked by Will and Mark. They had been trying to kind of put together a movie for a while. And Mark knew me from the Hollywood days and called me and said, we're trying to make this movie. What do you think? And I read this script that they wrote, and I was like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever read in my life. I don't even know what any of this means. Why are you trying to make this movie? And I ended up talking to them for a long time. And, you know, Will said, gosh, I love that you don't know anything about what we're talking about. Come make this movie with us. And I was like, okay. And so I did, and we ended up blowing up the script that they were making and made turned it into what the bleep do we know. And I think that's part of the charm of the movie. You know, Will, Mark, and I each came out from a very different level of understanding and perspective and, and I think that's how the audience is a lot of the time and somehow or another magically it works. So it's been called a pseudoscientific film with a spiritual connection between quantum physics and consciousness. I'm reading from Wikipedia and it's part oh, of Oh gosh, a- don't we dare, they hate us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny that they say, so that is really old and here's what's funny about that. Okay. Is that, yes, 20 years ago, we were attacked for the crazy connections we were making and all the crazy pseudoscience. But now, 20 years later, almost everything in that movie, mainstream people talk about all the time. Like the idea, like therapists now will talk to you about how 
your thoughts affect your reality. Like how you, how you think is how you perceive reality. And that's pretty much the main premise for the movie. How dare we say that 20 years ago? But now it's pretty normal every day. Everybody talks about it. Betsy, why do you think there was so much pushback? I think there was a lot of pushback because when you present an idea like that, that, that pushes up against what the mainstream materialist current paradigm wants people to think, it, people get mad. Mainstream gets mad. You know, when you have a, a population that can think for themselves, that understands a little bit more about how their brain-body chemistry works, things that nobody was really teaching. When you have a population that starts to understand that and be, has a capacity to begin to take more power over their lives, that's probably a scary thing. And who the heck are William Arntz and Mark Vicente anyway? What made them think they needed to make this film? Well, what makes anybody think they need to make any film? I mean, Mark, Will, and I were nobodies, which was great, you know? It actually, we came out of nowhere, and nobody expected this. I think it's interesting that we get this kind of like, why should we be making this movie? Why not make this movie? I think that was part of what gave us the freedom, you know, to, to make the movie that we made, because we were nobodies. We had nobody to please. It was Will was the financier, so it was independently funded. And so we weren't burdened with rules and regulations for, ooh, ooh, we better not say that, or ooh, we shouldn't do that. Because we went out, we interviewed scientists, legitimate people, we asked questions, and we presented it. Okay. But I think what I meant by that, and I appreciate your answer very much, I think what I meant by that is, who had the spiritual Jones for this? Well, it started with Will. You know, Will has been on a spiritual journey. Will was a rocket scientist, like, for real. Like, he worked on Star Wars, and he was, like, you know, a real rocket scientist. He actually sold a piece of software way back in the day, one of the early big ginormous pieces of software. And, you know, I think he made a commitment that he really wanted to use some of his money in a way that would, would inspire people to live better lives. That was a commitment that he made to himself. And so that's why he started making what was originally called Sacred Science, totally different movie. And that's why he started it. And Mark had been on his own spiritual journey and they became friends. They decided to make this movie and they realized that neither one of them, while Mark had been in the film business, and, and Will had toiled around with making movies, neither one of them were really like a person that had like executed a film from beginning to end, which is why they called me. I get it. So Will was the scientist, Mark was the spiritual seeker. Yeah, it kind of. I mean, the way that we describe the, the storytelling style is like Will was very interested in the science. So he was our science geek. Although, of course, Mark knew a lot about science, but Will was legitimately, uh, you know, studied, had a degree in physics and all that kind of stuff. Mark Mark was very much sort of like our spiritual person and, and more in the, the emotion and the spiritual side. And then I was sort of the newbie that would, when we would do interviews with these people, we, that's how we would interview them. Mark would interview, Will would interview first, then Mark would interview, and then I would come back and go, okay, what does any of this mean to me? Why does this matter to me? Why do I care? Explain quantum physics to me like I'm an idiot, because I am an idiot. I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, when you watch the movie and you hear the way we explain it, all of those elements come together to really make an accessible film, which is why it broke, one of the reasons why it broke out was because it's the first movie to really, in a very simple, 
way, and not just simple, we actually told a story. We used storytelling as a mechanism for people to understand. We had a big Hollywood mainstream Academy Award winning actress play a character that went through a journey that, that was sort of living the experience of the science, which is something nobody had ever done before. Did you expect it to be, to, to do what it did? Well, I don't think we, quote, expected it. You know, when I first met Will, I asked him, what are your expectations for this movie? And Will, you know, when you have big things, you have to be a big dreamer, right? So Will's a big dreamer, and and of course he can be. He wrote a big piece of software, sold it for millions of dollars. He 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 went big, and he said, "I want a hundred million people to see this movie." And that's when I said to him, "Well, I don't think a hundred people will see the movie that you've written here. It's confusing. It's goofy. It doesn't make any sense." And you know, Will said, "Well, what would you do? How would you make it make sense?" It's funny. We went out to after we finished the movie, we took it all to all the studios and showed it to everybody and. People would come up to us, you know, executives would go, oh, my gosh, I thought that was the best movie. It was so cool. But, no, we can't distribute it because nobody's going to watch that movie. And I think that, you know, I'm just so tenacious that I went back to Will and said, we need to distribute this movie ourselves. And he said, do you know how to do that? And I'm like, nope, but we'll figure it out. And and I think because we had funding, that's one of the, the, the most important things. A lot of people think it's just this magic going viral moment. No, we actually were funded. So we started distributing ourselves, and we found an audience, and we knew that there was an audience. We just had to get them to come to the theaters, and the truth is, at that time, nobody was making movies like this. Nobody was talking about this in anything other than, you know, the corners of weird spiritual bookstores or places like that. Now it's, you know, pretty mainstream. Right. I remember at the time, like, my my recollection of the film is more about, is less about the film and more about the backlash. More about, like, you guys just got hammered in the press. And that's okay, you know. I mean, I'm actually doing another series right now called The Galileo Project that talks to really amazing scientists around the world who have really done their homework and created amazing discoveries that the mainstream doesn't want to come out. And I'm not talking about, like, weird, you know, anti-vax. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about, like, pretty basic stuff. That, that, that would radically shift the way we live on the planet and, and in a really positive way. But what happens is when you, when you say something out loud that goes against what the mainstream wants people to hear, you have to remember everything is pretty much controlled by a very few amount of people, so they get mad at you. And, and I think the beauty is that Will, Mark, and I, we didn't have it, like, what, what did we have to lose? Like, you know, I got called the mouthpiece of Satan. You know, I got called all sorts of things. And it really didn't matter because I just kind of went on with my life. You know, I wasn't mm-hmm. running for office. I was trying to be the, you know what I'm saying? It didn't matter. So, so it's sort of like they could say whatever they wanted about us, but the audiences were speaking something different and that's what mattered to us, not what the reviews said. Is there anything from that movie, we're talking about the movie What the Bleep Do We Know, is there anything from that movie that has been disproven that you're like, oh yeah, maybe we got that part wrong? I think there might have been statistics that we we didn't get exactly right, but the true answer is no. Mm-hmm. Like, if you think about it, the whole movie talks about how your thoughts affect your reality. And if you look at what's going on in science today, the major discoveries, significant discoveries, some of Einstein's discoveries, some of the foundational discoveries of physics, people are stepping out finally and going, mm, that's not so right. And we were talking about that at a very, very early stage. So the answer to me is no. Did we have it all 
100% tied in a bow? No, because science didn't have it all 100% tied in a bow. But what we did say is, hey, start paying attention to this. And really the crux of the movie, the biggest sentence to come out of that movie was, I create my reality. Now, that's that's a very big oversimplification, of course. I mean, it's very difficult for me to sit here and close my eyes and say, I would like a Mercedes to pop out of my booty, right? Like, that's not the literal term of creating your reality. What we're saying is, you know, how you perceive is what you see. So if you are angry, and we talk about Candace Pert's work, which has completely been legitimized, the idea that your brain becomes addicted to emotional chem- your chem- chemicals in your body are tied to an emotion. So if you're, like, they talk about this in depression. They talk about this in anxiety. Yes, they, everybody wants people to take medication, and I'm not anti-medication, but a lot of the other work is now about visualization and mindfulness and paying attention to how you think, because if you think, bad if you think oh i you know this is bad this is bad this is bad then you're going to feel it's bad but if you step back and go wait a second let me really think about like and experience this in in a more open-minded way your your emotions change and that's the whole point of the movie did it make you betsy a more spiritual person well it did because i wasn't really a spiritual person before i made the movie if that makes any sense so yes it completely shifted the way that i approach my experience here Mm -hmm. and it and it gave me an opportunity to dig deep into you know what is the meaning of life and why am i here and what is this place and where i am right now is that you know i don't know but i'm gonna try to create the best experience that i can with what i have did you guys ever make it on oprah we did not make it on oprah she so what happened is we have a character in the film called ramta who was a channeled entity by this woman named jay-z knight Oprah didn't like that. So they, from what I understand, she didn't want us in the movie because of that. And, and you know, look, we interviewed all sorts of really interesting people. You know, we never say in the movie, like, oh, you have to go follow this person or this person's the best. We just took pieces of what they said that made sense and we used it. You know, and ironically, I can't tell you how many times I would sit in meetings and people who didn't really know who Ramso was at the time would say, oh, my God, I love that woman who said this, this, and this, and this. And then I would say, they would say, who is that woman? And I would say, oh, it's this woman named J.J. Knight, and she's channeling this entity called Ramsa. And then they would get angry. They'd be like, oh, I can't believe you made me listen to that person. And I was like, well, wait a second. Like, a minute ago, you were really resonating with what they said. Right. And that was part of the reason why we didn't put any of the credits until the end of the movie because it's an interesting experience in what you perceive you see so if people had perceived that person as being didn't have enough letters behind their name or didn't have the right certifications or degrees from the right colleges you wouldn't listen to them but oftentimes there are people that are giving great wisdom that don't have any of those things. And that was part of what we were saying. It's like, you need to expand your box in terms of who you're listening to. And and we have this society that only listens to people that have certain letters around their name or certain things from certain institutions because we've deemed those ones only the right ones. I think we need to have a lot more discernment now in terms of who we're listening to. And I think we need to be careful and thoughtful. You know, I'm a big proponent of, you know, I listen to my doctor, but I also educate myself so that I'm not going in blind. You know, I'm not an oncologist, so I'm not going to pretend that I am one. You know, there's got to be some discernment around it. But it's certainly time for us to start being more curious asking more questions and educating ourselves more. I think now, in today's world, everybody knows someone who channels. 
Like, if not personally, you know, Suzanne Weissman or Esther Hicks. It's just become part of our life that we, many people, understand that wisdom can be obtained from other sources, higher consciousness, whatever. We're all channeling. We we can all channel. All of these things, like, it's one of the things that I talk about in my new series, The Galileo Project. I interviewed a woman who teaches people how to connect to their psychic abilities and their channeling abilities, and she's like, this isn't some magic trick only certain people can do. It's just that certain people have have practiced the, the connection to it. But everybody can do this. This is part of our human experience. This is energy. This is how we all exist on this planet together. And so just like, you know, how some people go to the gym and they exercise their arms, you have to exercise these skills and these muscles as well. Congratulations and happy anniversary. 20 years of What the Bleep Do We Know? And Betsy, um, I really think this film sort of came in the back door and then opened the front door for a lot of people. Yep. I'm, I'm good at that, I guess. It's what I do best. So hopefully I'll do it again soon. And thank you so much for having me. You have to tell us where we can find the Galileo Project. It hasn't come out yet. I'm still in the fight to get it onto a mainstreamer because they still don't believe that we should be talking about some of the things I like to talk about. And that's okay. We'll get them there. Um, people can find me at BetsyChassie.net or at BetsyChassie on any platform. Betsy Chassie, one of the creators of What the Bleep Do We Know? A film now 20 years old, and you can watch it on Gaia on your Roku device. Those are words that didn't even make sense 20 years ago. So talking with Betty got me thinking about what mental changes I've been through over the last 20 years. What do I believe now that I didn't think possible 20 years ago? So I took this question to the Facebook group, A Circle of Women, and I asked, what do you believe today that you didn't believe 20 years ago in terms of your life, health, fortitude, your physical being, your spiritual connection? What is true for you now? I got a lot of great comments. One from Laura who said, now I believe that I have truly found the love of my life. 20 years ago, she did not think that was possible. Corky wrote that she does not believe in war now that too many innocent children and adults are being slaughtered, and that we can find ways to solve problems without war. Christine believes now that food is her medicine, and she can heal her body by making better choices about what she puts into her mouth. Jessica wrote that now she believes that if you find the right people to support and believe in you, it will be easier to believe in yourself. Jessica writes, find your tribe. Joanne wrote that now she believes there is peace within and being alone is not being lonely. Connie wrote, now she believes that she's worthy of happiness and peace in her life. Anna wrote, 20 years ago, I didn't believe I could leave my job to run my business full time. And she wrote, by the way, I love that movie. Barbara wrote, so many things. I'm stronger than I knew. Things are not always what they seem. There's love after love. Margaret wrote that now she knows age is just a number, and she believes it is never too late to have new experiences. Liz writes, she now believes it's okay to give yourself the same grace you give to others. Wow. I love that. It's okay to give yourself the same grace you give to others. 
Kathy writes now, she believes life is too short and we have to be grateful for every day. Grace wrote, she's learned that we are all the same. We all love and we all want to be loved. Laura wrote, 20 years ago, I carried bags of emotional burden from abuse. Today, those bags are empty. All the bags are inspected at the gate of my inner world. Today, I'm stronger in being who I am while being open to continue to evolve into my best self. That's a great story, Laura. I am glad you're no longer carrying around that emotional burden. Kathleen now believes in the healing power of nature. Michelle, answering the question, what do you believe now that you didn't believe 20 years ago? She writes that a short amount of pain, self-reflection, and stepping into your truth brings you long amounts of happiness. Energy is everything and everything is energy. Tina wrote that the 20 years taught her divorce was not the end of her life, but a new beginning with her actual soulmate. Marie wrote, now she knows it's okay to say no. Self-preservation is very important. Pam says she now believes that she will never give up on her dreams. Nancy wrote, 20 years ago, she believed our government was honest. We're opening our eyes to all kinds of things. And Pina wrote, 20 years ago, she believed that love lasts forever. She doesn't believe that now. And to that, I wrote on our Facebook group, A Circle of Women, self-love can last forever. Self-love can last forever. And that is going to be the topic of our Shine On Women's Retreat Weekend At Marriondale in Ossining, February 23rd through the 25th, it is almost sold out. So find more at caseysplace.com. And thank you to all the women who wrote in on the Circle of Women Facebook group, which you're invited to join anytime. 20 years ago, I only dreamed I'd have a show like Shannon, the health and happiness show. I'm grateful you're here to share it with me. And as we look back at 20 years of what the bleep do we know, what have I changed my tune about in the last 20 years? It's possible that 20 years ago, I thought health and peace of mind were kind of random things that visited you. And now I know for sure that health and, and peace are things we have to cultivate and work on every day. And also a big aha for me in the last 20 years is I don't have to get involved in every argument. I don't have to solve every drama. I don't have to play referee. I can just watch stuff like I'm watching it on a big screen. And no, most of the time, it's not personal, has nothing to do with me, and it will eventually resolve. Thinking like that has given me more time to spend with my chickens. And I would have never dreamed 20 years ago I'd be a chicken mama. But here I am. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On. Our thought for the day is from Tony Robbins, who said, Beliefs have the power to create and the power to destroy. Humans have the awesome ability to take any experience of their lives and create a meaning that disempowers them or one that can literally save their lives. Shine on. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show, with new episodes every week. It's your time to shine on. Shine on.